0: Hi, I'm Siobhan Hunt, and this is Kindling Conversation, a Kindling Kids Radio podcast. Just a quick note before we get into the next episode. If you haven't already, I'd love you to rate and review Kindling Conversation wherever you get your podcasts, or if you enjoy the episode, share it with your friends. It's always great for more parents to hear these stories and get the information. All right, thank you, and on with the show. Where does your family live? Are you in a house? Perhaps a farm? Or maybe you're like me and one of the majority of Aussie families who live in apartment complexes in a major city. With apartment living on the rise, along with neighbour noise complaints, Kindling producer Elise Cooper set out to find more.
1: Families with children make up almost 44% of all types of people living in apartments in Australia. How much of an effect... Does living in an apartment complex really have on your family? To find out, I spoke with Sophie May Kerr. She's a PhD candidate from the University of Wollongong
2: and has conducted research into the quality of life of families that live in apartments. So my name's Sophie May Kerr and I'm a PhD candidate at the University of Wollongong in human geography. So, the focus of my research has really been looking at parents' experiences of living in apartments with children. Um, and as you mentioned, what we've seen in recent decades is a massive increase in apartment developments more broadly. Um, but the assumption has kind of been that those would be apartments to house singles and couples, with the expectation that once people started a family, that they would move out into a detached house in the suburbs. But as we've seen, that hasn't necessarily been the case. Um, and there's lots of benefits to living in an apartment. So more and more people, including families with children, are living in these spaces. They might not necessarily be designed for what might be a somewhat noisy presence with children. As we know, the sounds of children aren't always easy to predict or control. Um, So my research has really been about speaking with parents about what their experiences have been and finding out about some of the challenges that they've been facing. And sound has definitely been a really key challenge that's been a topic of conversation. So I guess with more and more Australians living in apartments we have seen a rise in noise-related complaints Um, and with more people sharing walls with neighbours it's inevitable that you're going to hear the sounds Um, but what we've really been finding is that parents are often on the forefront of those tensions again because the sounds of children can be quite difficult to control. So we've been finding out a lot about the different experiences that parents have had in terms of how they've tried to modify their parenting practices and have strategies to reduce sound within the home. One mum who is well-experienced at trying to reduce sound within the home
1: is Sydney mum Alex. She's a musician, a mum, a partner and a stepmum and she lives in an apartment complex in a space that was very different to the wide-open bush that she grew up in. And there have been teething problems. I'm Alex.
3: I'm a mum of a two-year-old and a step-mum of a six-year-old, and we live in a little two-bedroom apartment. It's it's crowded. <laughs> <laughs> One of our neighbours is a little eccentric. Hoards stuff and puts you know stacks things in our zone. <laughs> You feel like you're cohabiting with, I hadn't lived in an apartment before this and I essentially feel like it's a big share house, you know, having to um, consider everyone and let other people do their thing. It's different.
1: Sophie May's research found that it's one thing to experience the difference of living in an apartment. It's another entirely when you have to start affixing carpet to windows to try and minimise the sound your family makes.
2: Yeah, so parents had a number of different strategies that they were undertaking to try and reduce their everyday sounds. So some of these were behavioural strategies. So during the day, things like limiting certain activities to certain times of the hour, Um, things like musical instrument practice, for instance, that being seen as an activity that people might undertake during more sociable hours. And also with crying during the night, lots of parents talked about feeling the need to be quite reactive to their children crying because that sound was really something that was at the forefront of their mind all the time, and it wasn't just about wanting to contain the sound and and be able to make their own child stop crying. It was that awareness that they were sharing walls with neighbours and those feelings of guilt and anxiety around um, potentially interrupting somebody else. Now, Alex and her
1: partner are
2: musicians, so
1: they're already noisy. Add in two children, and Alex says it's a whole lot of guilt that she'd never experienced before.
3: And we're definitely the noisy apartment you know we're musicians and we have kids so we're a nightmare (laughs) but the ceilings and walls are very like I don't think there's much (laughs) much you can do we've we've put blankets over windows and things I think it's there's not a huge tolerance threshold for our little unit (laughs) Um, and it's funny because we we try really really hard to be considerate and it's something that has really affected the upbringing of our youngest child because she grew up in this apartment. We moved in about a month before um, she was born and it's meant that things like sleep training and it was a completely different experience to what I, I guess, wanted to do. You know, I ha- when I was trying to sleep train her and I, I got to a point where just because I was so worried about the neighbours, I would just feed her all through the night, which turned into a bit of an issue for her and ended up going away, like, a few times to try and sleep train her, try and tackle that outside of our home.
1: If modifying your apartment will only get you so far with appeasing your neighbours, then what's left? Sophie May says we actually need to go back to the start and look at how we see apartments,
2: because they're not just places for bachelor pads. They're homes too, for families of all shapes and sizes. It's important to understand that that understanding and consideration of neighbours really needs to come from both sides. Children aren't the only source of noise in urban areas, but what we have seen in terms of parents really being on the forefront of some of those conflicts, I think that that really ties back to the social norms around who's seen to belong in apartment spaces and what kinds of sounds are seen to belong. Um, And what we're seeing is that those cultural norms haven't necessarily caught up to the reality that is more and more families living in apartments so parents are are really facing that feeling of being made to feel like them and their family sounds don't belong in those spaces um, and in some instances are having quite negative conflicts with neighbours. This pressure to stay quiet, which is forcing parents to change their
1: behaviours, isn't just happening in apartments. It's also occurring in public, and these are the types of stories that unfortunately are really common. I was talking about this yesterday with my partner. I just... We were in Woolies and our our
3: daughter is sick at the moment, so she's really fussy, crying a lot. And we were in Woolies and she was crying and about five people in the space of ten minutes made a cringe face at, at her. Like, you know, handle your child. It's happened when she's been making happy sounds, you know, just joyously squealing and people have gone, Gawd, you know, and... I just (laughs) can't believe the level to which people seem to think you can control your child. They're they're a human being. They're a totally (laughs) separate entity to you. You can't control how they express themselves, and you wouldn't want to. I mean, we've had a couple of, like, bangs on the wall when she's been crying, or a few comments like, oh been hearing her a lot like you know and it's like yeah don't you think we know like so like, have I I'm I'm a mum <laughs> yeah and we're actually you know we're doing the best we can and in in those cases too I've said to our neighbours look I'm so sorry we're doing the best we can I've I felt apologetic yeah I, I guess I flitted between being indignantly like no I sh- shouldn't be sorry you know she's on her journey and growing and it's, all, it's the way she expresses herself and communicates and doesn't have the tools of language, you know. Other times you do feel like you're just ruining everyone's life. <laughs> <laughs> we actually had some neighbours move out and I'm pretty sure it was because of us.
1: So what needs to change? What can be changed? Unless someone has a magic wand to put your job and your friends and support networks all on a quarter-acre block of the backyard, that would be great. But not very realistic, unfortunately. Sophie May's research, though, hints at directing change towards the actual infrastructure and rethinking that old notion of the apartment building being for couples and singles. Because
2: the numbers show us that's just not the case anymore. I guess just wanting to emphasise beyond um, the conversations that we're having around building design and the importance of that aspect, um, I think a really key take-home from this research is that there's only so much that individuals can do. So lots of the families that I'd spoken to, in addition to those behavioural strategies, had attempted to modify their homes as much as possible, so things like putting down carpet and foam mats, closing windows for certain activities to reduce the sound. So I think that... But we really need to have a conversation around the fact that the housing norms have shifted and that, that acknowledgement of families in this space and their right to be living in the city really needs to be understood from both perspectives. And as for Alex's family, just
1: because it could be worse doesn't mean we stop trying to make it better. We got lucky with
3: the amount of rent we have to pay. We, It's a good space, you know, it's just... It's just not what we've been conditioned to be used to. It's it's okay.
1: <laughs> mm. <laughs> well, in the same way, what you have not been conditioned to be used to growing up, you grow up, you know, with lots of space and, you know, people living in apartment complexes haven't been conditioned to live with kids in the buildings. Yeah. So we exactly. all have to change how we think. Yeah, yeah. It's not just on the grumpy neighbour, you know, yeah. and it's not just on the families. It's on everyone. Yeah. It's just really hard to do.
3: yeah. I'm not quite sure how, like, um, yeah. We just try. <laughs> we try. We try. Yeah, we, we try. We just keep trying.
0: Alex, thank you so much for coming in. <laughs>
3: Pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: That was producer Elise Cooper speaking with PhD candidate and researcher Sophie Maker, and mum, musician, and apartment resident Alex Dennison.